Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Intercom Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi, and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. <laughs> You're on the crazy train. Welcome to the Cutting Edge Outdoor Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Well, good morning, everybody, and I hope you had a, as good as it could be Christmas. This has been a, kind of a down year for family celebrations, but... I hope it went well for all of you. Uh, I know ours did. But anyway, we come to you every Saturday morning here on the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoors every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m. And we are live, so if you want to become part of the show in the morning, uh, all you got to do is call us at 414-799-1250. That's 799-1250. Or you can email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. Now, when I say us guys, I'm talking about myself, Tom Neubauer, my co-host, Dan Bush, and our, uh, I guess you would call him our producer engineer, Sam Schmitz. He's on the boards. So anyway, good morning, everybody. Morning. Hey. Good morning. And yes, I I do believe engineer is an appropriate title. I always kind of wondered why in schools they kind of went to the engineer. Well, sometimes the head guys have to be certified and boilers and all kinds of stuff but uh the guy who's mopping the floor is now an engineer i guess so i don't know what that made me as a teacher but uh yeah welcome we appreciate everybody listening and uh and tom you were talking about christmas kind of like well kind of like it's you kind of you know being kind of a downer there well i actually had my best christmas eve ever tom is that right that's right and uh and we are going to go to a report real quick from Troy up north. But I'll, real quick, I'll tell you about my best Christmas Eve ever. You know, I, I've had great times with family and so forth. But, you know, sometimes it's kind of a pain where back in the day when you had 18 people to go to Christmas with, which meant a single bachelor guy like me would wait till one hour before, you know, the last day to leave town to run around like a madman buying a bunch of gifts and then trying to pay the neighbor lady to wrap them for me and then driving up to Green Bay, and then after that, the next morning, driving to Oshkosh, and then the next even driving to Stevens Point. I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about? You're going person to person to person's house, and being kind of a, a single laid-back guy, I just, I like to chill. So I had a nice Christmas day with Lowy, but Christmas Eve, and I wish I had done this earlier, I volunteered to be a, uh, a bell ringer for the Salvation Army, 
And uh, they actually, I was lucky, they had a two-hour shift in Christmas Eve at the Sentry on Gulf Road in Delafield. And I wore my big, uh, my big pack boots to keep my toes warm. And, uh, you know, I always feel sorry for some of the people. They're not prepared, some of the ringers. But they let me stay inside. And let me tell you, I honestly, it was, it, like I said, it was the best Christmas Eve I ever had. Talking to people, people being friendly, happy, upbeat. And I couldn't believe the generosity of the people out there. It was incredible. And now I'm a little shamed, Tom, because when I pass the kettles, I always reach for some coins to put in. 99% of the people donating weren't putting coins in. They were putting ones, fives, tens, twenty, and fifty dollar bills into that bucket. I had to they give a little tool like a ruler because the poor people were trying to, it was so full, which was really great to see. And then the people thanked me for being there. And, you know, I think that right now we're in a country with a lot of strife, everybody hating each other, and it's got to stop. You know, I see, you know, I didn't know whether the person donating what their political or religious views were, but we're all Americans, and we all got to get along, we all got to do good, we all got to love one another. So, that's my take on my Christmas Eve, and it really uh, really was a great time. I hope to do it again. But with that being said, uh, let's go to Troy up north there with the ice fishing report. Hey, guys. Hey, Tom and Bushy. How are you guys this morning? Yeah, good. doing good. You speak a little uh, soft connection there, Tom, uh, Troy, so I'll try and maybe speak loud. Okay. So uh, up here in Star Lake, uh, doing ice fishing. We've got about seven inches of ice. Uh, up here on Star Lake. So I uh, went out the last, you know, a couple of days before Christmas, and uh, the, the pike and the walleye are, are popping on shiners, uh, and uh, things are pretty active up here in Violet County right now in the ice fishing. So who are you fishing with there? Were you with uh, one of your guides up there, or uh, who's who's the magic so, guy to go with? So, so I'm with uh, so I'm in Arrington's Resort. So Arrington's Resort, if anybody want to look look it up, it's Arrington with two R's, E R R I N G T L N F Resort dot com, and it's a resort. So Gary Arrington, one of the one of there's seven kids uh, here. His uh, brother is the one that I go out with on open water. Musk, he's a musky guide. Um, his brother Mike, but I went out with Gary Gary Arrington. So. We had all his equipment out there. He's, he's, a, he's a real good ice fisherman, and uh, that's who I went out with. And uh, uh, it was, we, we had a we had a nice couple of days before it got real cold. So uh, I think we got uh, we have about five pike and one nice 19-inch walleye. Um, again, using shiners and about four to five feet of water right in the bay of uh, Star Lake, which is right in the middle of Vilas County. Um, but there's I heard there's a lot of activity. All around, like Monaco Lake, they're really harvesting. And uh, like I said, we're looking at about seven inches of ice right now. Well, as far as uh, your gear, then you're just using tip-ups. They doing any jigging rods? Um, what what are they doing? Uh, so we were only using tip-ups. Um, I would imagine that they're they're jigging around as well. But uh, you know, right? We were you know exclusively using tip-ups. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's interesting, because, you know, 
I, I don't know a lot about ice fishing, as you know. Like I, I, I you taught me how to ice fish, basically. If you remember, fifteen years ago, in, in Zippel yep. Bay, where where we got that, I got my biggest pike of my life with that forty-inch uh, uh, fire in the hole pike on Easter when it was four feet of ice. So, but uh, yeah, tip ups is, is what we were using. Yep. Okay. Well, Troy, thanks for the report. I think um, after this week, in fact. Maybe after next week's Saturday show. Um, like I said, uh, um, I've got my tip-ups out. I've straightened them out. They're ready to go. We're ready to have some fire in the holes. And uh, hope to see you soon, buddy. Yeah, just real quick, if anybody wants to come up, Arrington's Resort, if you look it up, you can get a room for about, you know, they have uh, trailers and all kinds of different log cabins for probably around 50 or $60 a night. And it's right in the middle of Vilas County. So we have people coming in. To this resort, staying here, going out ice fishing, uh, it, it's a great it's a great spot to really kind of cover because it's right in the middle of Vilas County. So again, Arrington's Resort, I would highly recommend it. You can pop in. There's no minimum nights or anything, and plenty of plenty of places to rent. All right, buddy. All right, okay. we'll let you get running, buddy. Stay safe, right, man. We'll see, you. see you. Bye. All right. How about yourself, Thomas? Any ice fishing report well, from your sons? No, I was going to tell you about Christmas Eve. The, the reason I said what I said at the beginning of the show was because so many people have the virus and their families were staying away, you know, staying at home and, and not getting together with families, whereas my family said, screw it. We all, my wife, my sons, my, wife, uh, my uh, daughter-in-laws um, and the grandkids, we all got together. And we just had a fantastic time. We, I couldn't ask for anything better. Although, yeah, probably about eight nine o'clock, I started dozing off on the couch, and uh, my grandson kept nudging me, telling me, "Grandpa, you're snoring. Shut up." <laughs> you know, I was so, just gonna uh, say, yeah, Grandpa, snoring time, on the couch. Yeah, yeah, we had a great time. So I just, it's just that I heard from so many people that. They weren't able to get together with family this year, you know. That's why I said it was, you had to make the best of it, you know. And it sounded like what you did was very nice, you know. That that was uh, very nice of you to do, yeah. Well, you know what? I, I, I As much as they want to tell the American people we should be miserable, uh, I saw nothing but positive people, positive people uh, out there. And, and you wouldn't have known it was in any other... Any other Christmas, people dressed nice like they were going to uh, some get-together. So sure, people probably maybe toned it down a bit, but there were still lots of people that did manage to get together like you did and uh, and I think had a good Christmas. So much as secular society would like to erase Christmas and uh, any other religious holidays from the books, I think, uh, I think we're not ready for that yet, thankfully. No, and speaking of ice fishing... Uh... For my uh, granddaughter and grandson, my wife and I got them their own beaver dam tip-ups. Hey! And my, and my son is going to engrave their names, you know, with one of those uh, uh, hot irons or whatever, how they, uh, they, they yep. uh, what, what do they call that when they put the names in with the hot iron? Anyway, they're going to burn it in, wood-burning kit. Yeah, they're going to wood-burn yeah. their names in it. And the thing is, is that... Uh, the the little boy, you know, he's only five, so he's still learning that stuff. But the girl, she's going to be eight years old in January, and uh, she knows how to do a tip-up. You know, she knows how to bait her hooks and all that stuff. So her dad has taught her well, 
you know, so uh, they were really, uh, you know, thrilled to get their own tip-ups, you know. Uh, and my wife didn't think that would be a good idea for little kids. They loved it because they're really into fishing, you know, whether it be open water fishing or ice fishing, they're really into it. So they really, really like the tip-ups, which, you know, you would think that's kind of a strange gift for a, a little kid, you know. But No, I, I, I'm with you, Tom. I, I think uh, you were on the right track. Your wife didn't understand the thrill that a little kid can have. You know, I when I was a kid, one of the best gifts I got was like a, a stupid little tackle box, which I love that little tackle box. And you'd get all your baits and you'd carefully arrange them in there and try and go to, I'd go to Shopco in Green Bay and buy another bait once every couple of weeks. So, no, that's great that you got it for them. And uh, hopefully we can get out on the ice here soon. I know in Pewaukee uh, last week, I forgot to mention that the day before the show, when I looked out here on the East End, there were actually people, I believe it was the Friday night before, out setting some tip-ups right near where, where the dam is over there. And I thought to myself, boy, that's the worst last place in the world I would want to set a tip-up yeah. on the first ice. Um, I didn't hear any sirens or hear, see anybody go through. Well, then, of course, that was the last of that. I haven't uh, seen anybody because I believe we were back to open water for a while there once we got that. What a, what a kind of crazy thing where we got temperature close to 60 degrees right before the big cold comes in, I guess. That was nature's way of kissing us before they, before they gave us the beating the next day. Yeah, and after our first break, I do have uh, some, inf- you know, good, some good uh, ice fishing information. But first of all, we got an email. Oh, wait a minute, I got to do this. This is from Adam. He's a regular listener. He says, I thought you fellows would get a kick out of this picture. Uh, hope you all had a Merry Christmas and, and a good new year now that's just the first part of it i'll tell you the second part in a second now this is a picture it's a big sign it's a big board in white lettering and it looks like it's in inside of a bait shop someplace and it says wanted 60 inch musky 48 inch pike 40 inch walleye 20 inch perch 21 inch crappie 13 inch bluegill it says if you know the whereabouts of these fish please contact me now, Adam says that these might be unattainable, unbeatable records. Well, that might be or might not be. But the second part of his email says, was it Tom that said, uh, you show me a 20-inch crappie and I'll give you 500 bucks? No, Adam. That was Bushy who said if you show him a 20-inch crappie, he'd give you $1,000. No, no, no. So, you yeah, lie. Yeah, you lie you. like a cheap watch. No, Tom that said was that. You. I mean, I can tell stories just as good as you, so well, I, that you was know, you who said that. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how people mix stories up sometimes. Uh, but anyway, kills me. But, but when we come back, I got some ice fishing stuff, and we can talk about some of these lengths of fish uh, when we come back, but uh, I do have some ice fishing stuff, all right? All right, sounds okay, good, Tom. Okay, folks, stay tuned for more of the Wacky Walleye Guide Shop. Wacky Walleye uh, Cutting Edge Outdoors. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. Welcome back to Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush, along with Tommy, the true new bower. 
And uh, wacky walleyes being kind of an operative, uh, walleyes being the operative word. I uh, saw some TV shows this week where uh, I believe John Gillespie was ice fishing walleyes on, I think, Red Lake, Minnesota. And uh, Larry Smith was on the Bay of Green Bay for some last-minute open water. But uh, we got Tommy the True with some fishing reports. Take it away, Tom. Yeah, we, um, I, you know, in the area lakes here in southeastern Wisconsin, the back bays, of, of lakes, you know, where you get, uh, you know, shallower back bays, they've been freezing over to the point where there's several inches of ice. Now, of course, you got to be really careful. But a number of people have been seen out on sitting tip-ups, out on these back bays, you know, in the shallower water. And what amazes me is that a month ago, there were nothing in these bays, nothing. Well, uh, maybe a few fish here and there, but the, the, all of a sudden, we get ice on it, and uh, guys are catching pike, bass, uh, starting to get the bluegills are starting to come in, uh, and even a few walleye. So it's like all of a sudden, for some reason, they start coming into these shallow bays, the fish do. And uh, so there is ice fishing that's happening right now. But, you know, the thing is, is that you got to know the lakes in the area. you got to know where these shallow back bays are. And, of course, the most important thing, how to get to them. Because if you've got to traverse across a whole lake to get to a little back bay, you ain't going to make it, you know, because the middle of those deep lakes, uh, that that's not hard, that's not solid enough to be walking on or taking a snowmobile or an ATV. So that's the hard part is finding how to get onto these little back bays, you know. And that's something. There's another idea, Danny. If a person came up with a book, on how you know ice fishing how to get on the certain lakes that are hard to get onto and especially in the back bays when ice first comes on that would be a i think that would be a number one seller yeah i think a lot of people um would enjoy uh, going out on some of these small lakes in particular you drive by northern wisconsin and you see those beautiful little pothole lakes some of them without a boat landing on them and i often wonder you know what what kind of big bass might be in a small little lake like that? Not that it's really cool to walk out <clears throat> on just, you know what I'm talking about, like solid ice with just a little bit of light snow cover across the lake and, you know, where you're not slipping inside, sliding and setting up tip-ups and just sitting there on a peaceful, sunny winter day. Um, you know, friends who don't fish years ago, they used to say, Bush, you're a weird guy because I could go out on the ice for, you know, all day long, and and, and uh, before I'd leave, they'd say, who are you going with? And I'd say, oh, by myself, and they'd start laughing like there's something wrong with them. Then I'd come back, they'd say, you catch anything? And it was almost like a rhetorical question they knew the answer to, because I'd always say, no, and then they'd start snickering. Then they'd go, did you have a good time? I'd say, yeah. Then they'd really start snickering as they were laying on the couch, you know, with their feet up on the recliner or whatever, watching TV on a cold winter day. But I, you know, actually enjoyed it. So uh, yeah, some, something to be said for getting out and doing that. Same with the hunting. You know, I'll tell you, and I, I've done this for years, okay? And uh, most people know that I'm going to answer it this way. But when people, you know, if I go fishing and I come back and somebody says to me, well, did you catch anything? And then my, my answer always is, I went fishing, didn't I? You know, it, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, well, you are, you know, the bass master, um, so probably not too often that you don't catch anything, now I'll give all that credit to your sons, they're the ones, uh, 
they're uh, they're taking you out but you know when i am hunting or fishing you know what i, I i'm never really all alone uh it's funny i was talking to uh, uh nate over there at zbart and he was talking about that the matrix 14 point buck that he said a prayer and a deer materialized i would say a lot of people uh when they are hunters and fishermen now a lot of people might think this is weird but a lot of people do say silent prayers when they're out there so they feel like they're not just by themselves but they're with god in nature uh i always feel that i've got other people with me because as i'm out in the woods or uh fishing my mind is always going to past memories with good friends and times we did together uh i got a pair of boots before he went out of town uh, years ago from my good friend Steve Milliot. So I've been wearing his giant heavy winter boots lately. So my friend Steve is with me in spirit. Uh, I got a vest from one of our listeners. He was with me when I shot my buck. Uh, so, you know, uh, my friends are always with me, at least in thought. Well, that's nice. Yeah, I, but I, I, I know that that is nice for someone like you who enjoys that, but I would... I would recommend people when they go ice fishing that they they probably should go with somebody else just in case something bad happens, you know. And and you never know what could happen. Uh, so it's always good to have somebody there with you just in case something bad happens. So I don't know how you feel about that, Danny. But oh yeah, you're 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 probably right. Somebody should know where you're at. You should carry a cell phone, I guess. But uh, I don't know. I was out. Oh, I found an old broken down tree stand and uh, I went to climb it up and it was missing some steps. So I had to grab a limb and kind of swing my legs up underneath and over a branch. And I'll tell you, my abs hurt for a week afterwards. And I thought to myself, this is just not a good idea for an old guy like this to be doing this. But I'm thinking, who's an old guy here? So, yeah, I guess I should be more careful. Yeah, definitely. But, oh, well. You know that uh, list I gave you uh, that uh, Adam sent us about the fish that were wanted? When it comes to the pike, the walleye, the perch, the crappie, and the bluegill in Wisconsin, yeah, those those might not be achieved. But there's one fish that ver- that that very well might be achieved, and it maybe already has, and that's that 60-inch muskie out of the Bay of Green Bay. That, yeah. That's a possibility. That's a well, real possibility. I think there was a 60 caught during one of the bass tournaments in the spring a couple of years ago. I think there was, too. It, it, and, it weighed uh, like 45, weighed 45 pounds. Now, I tell some of my friends, you know, some, some guys, they're only 45 pounds. Oh, it must have been sick. And I'm thinking, hey, man, not every 60-inch muskie weighs a pound per inch. I mean, a 45-pound pike's still big, probably a spawned-out female. You know, at 40 pounds, if you've ever held 40 pounds of sack in your arms, you know, I've had the opportunity to hold several fish that were 35 pounds plus, probably not 40, but trying to hold those out at arm's length to take a picture. Uh, and, man, your shoulders are hurting, so that's still a mighty big fish. 48-inch uh, pike, I know 48-plus-inch pike have come out of the Bay of Green Bay. In fact, our friend Dennis Radloff got one years ago. Oh, he did, huh? I kind yes, of forgot about that. Yeah. yeah, I believe, and I think he also got a 50-inch, uh, 50-inch tiger muskie. Hey, bring some another thing before I get off the uh, subject. You know, holding fish for pictures. I just kind of alluded to that. You know, I uh, my good friend Sandy's down in Florida. He's caught his first 10-pound bass in Okeechobee. Uh, he sent another text this week. 
he they got 39 bass in Okeechobee on the Shiners, one every nine minutes, biggest seven pounds. So it's on fire down there. Evidently, the water levels up. So if you want to go to Florida and fish Okeechobee bass and Shiners, now is the time to do it. Uh, if you want to don't, not worry about flying with COVID. But the only thing I would say to my good friend Sandy is when he takes the pictures, Tom, he's, he's, he's got his arms totally extended where the fish fills the screen and his body is behind. And honestly, when you look at the picture, you can't tell if it's a seven pound bass or a three pound bass that somebody's holding at arm's length right in front of the camera. I would suggest, sure, you kind of want to hold it out, but kind of do it like happy medium halfway where you can see some true perspective between the size of the fish and the body of the person. What do you think? Uh, yeah, definitely. I hate those pictures where guys are holding them. at. Uh, you can see their arms length out, and you have no idea. That could be a little fish. You don't know. And, and that's why, you know, I, I've showed people how to take pictures properly and, and at what angles to make the fish look bigger without holding it at arm's length. Right. Um, there see, is a way to do that. And uh, one of the tricks is going, uh, it, the, the, the person taking the picture has got to be lower than the per person holding the fish. So you've got to be shooting upward a little bit, okay, a little bit of an angle upward. And uh, that, that's just one of the little tricks. But there are other ones. But... Yeah, I really I hate those pictures where they're holding them. You know, I I remember some I think there was a picture someplace where a person was holding like a three inch perch, okay, and and but it was right in front of the camera lens, <laughs> you know? and it and it looked like a giant, of course, you know, but of course you could all tell it wasn't. So, but anyway, yeah, and, hey, Danny, we got to go to a break. We got the okay. gut report coming up next. And then after the 6.45 break, we have the Hornschwaggle. So stay tuned for that and more, folks, right here on the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoors. Come here, I'm going to eat you. I'm bigger than you. I'm higher in the food chain. Get in my belly. The Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor. Well, folks, you know, normally, I mean, almost always, I always test uh, a recipe out before I give it out over the air, but... This time, I'm going to give you out something that I haven't tried yet, but I promise you I will. But you might want to try it, too. Now, do you ever have a problem with fried chicken that the outside is almost burnt? It's, like, dark brown, but yet the inside isn't quite done yet? A lot of people have this problem now, and so do I at times, except for, like, wings, but on those bigger, thicker pieces. But I saw this the other day on a TV show where they poached the chicken first and, you know there was a bunch of water in a pot and, and the guy put some spices in it or whatever but he poached the chicken for like 45 minutes he then coated it and fried it and it was perfectly done so let's you know what this might not be a bad idea i'm definitely going to try it if you try it first you make sure you let me know at ceo guys at yahoo.com and we'll work on this together the Gut Report was brought to you by Discount Liquor, and no other liquor store has been local and originally family-owned for over 60 years. There's a reason they've been in business that long, price, service, and selection. So if you're looking for any kind of weekly specials, just go to DiscountLiquorInc.com.
Jackie Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors. Thanks for listening. We always uh, thank our uh, uh, regular listeners. Uh, we always thank first responders, law enforcement, military, healthcare workers. <clears throat> thank you for what you do out there. And uh, Tom, sometime during the show, um, I'm uh, going to be playing. I'll kind of give you a clue before a break. We're going to have a little clip we're going to play uh, in regards to the ammo shortage from uh, the president from Federal CCI Spear and Remington Arms. So that'll be coming up sometime today. Also, before I forget, uh, Ryan over at the waterfront <clears throat> mentioned that they actually have <clears throat> a couple dates open for fisheries or group get-togethers. Uh, yet this year, January 16th, which is coming up quick, and February 13th. Uh, now, I think what's happened, Tom, is with the COVID, some people have gotten kind of uh, scared and they've been canceling. I know the, uh, I believe the uh, Waukesha County Banquet that our friend Al Shook would invite me to, that's been canceled. But, you know, it's, I still think that uh, if people maybe kind of practice uh, a little bit of safety measures there, we can still have some of these events. A lot of them are good fundraisers. So again, that's January 16th, February 13th, just uh, going out to our friends at Waterfront order a beer, have some of their perfectly made fries, and then come on down to Park Ave Pizza and have a pizza after. You'll have a good trip out to Pewaukee. Um, I don't know if you know this, but uh, the Wisconsin of uh, Department of Natural Resources is re-implementing a lake trout bag limit starting January 1st, 2021. Uh, the open season will now run from March 1st to October 31st, and the new daily bag limit will be two lake trout, two per day. So it doesn't open until March 1st, and you can only get two. Now, in the past, like last year, you could get five of them. Well, not anymore. So I just want to make people aware of that for those of you going on Lake Mich Michigan. Now, that might change in the future, okay? Right. They might change I, uh... it in the future. So, But we'll, we'll keep everybody updated because, you know, this is the cutting edge. <laughs> Tom, have you ever targeted those Lakers yourself? No, no. I, okay. I, I, you know, I never did a lot of Lake Michigan fishing. Uh, I, I'm not into trolling. I really don't care for trolling at all. So, um, and and I never really felt comfortable. You know, my boats were always about the size of your boat. You know, and I never felt comfortable, even huh. in that boat. Now I've been on in the harbor. You know, fishing smallmouth and pike and that and perch, but uh, as far as going out on the big, big water, I just never felt comfortable unless I was in a really big boat. You know. Well, here's here's the deal, Tom. I have, and to get those spring Lakers, it's not that hard. You can go out right outside of uh, right outside of our harbor, right here in Milwaukee, and just go outside the break wall. And get into that, you know, 35, 40 feet of water, 45 feet, and uh, troll you, troll down, oh, about 30 feet down with just a big old watermelon spoon or something. You can use a dipsy, couple dipsies, and maybe a downrigger, and you can get catch some uh, gosh darn big lakers. In fact, I and uh, Jim Komar got a big one this spring, and there were other times I've been out where. Uh, I mean, we were just catching one after another. Now, years ago, uh, it what I would have to do, though, is I would have to stop after two Lakers and then go inside the harbor and try trolling small cranks for browns so you, you'd get your five-fish trout limit 
by accumulating two Lakers and three Browns. But then, like you said, they changed it. Now, I looked at the same DNR message you're alluding to, and now they're saying they switched it back from the five, you know, I think, I guess it was five and no season, because they want to assess how the five and no season was working. So they're going back to the old one. But to me, that doesn't make any sense. Can't you just keep it with the new regs and still assess how it was working? Why do you got to go back to the old one? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I yeah, I don't understand either. I, I'm sure they have their their reasons, you know, for the what they do. But uh, see, I would never, I would never be trolling for them. But what I would try sometime is I've seen John Gillespie do it a number of times on his show, where he'll go out and uh, jig for them. You know, he'll jig for the lake trout and catch browns too. So you know, they're casting and jigging and catching them. And you know, years ago. I think I was, I, I don't know, I, I don't know if this is true or not, I don't know, but I could have been the, been one of the first guys to ever cast for uh, salmon and trout on Lake Michigan. I mean, this has got to be over 30 years ago. I was out, uh, I can't remember who I was with, and I said to the charter, we were doing a TV show out there, and I said to the charter captain, I said, hey, instead of trolling, can we just cast out here, you know, and see if we can catch them? And we did catch a few casting. And, uh, you know, people had said to me, oh, I didn't know you could catch them casting. I thought you had to catch them trolling. And I said, well, I just thought, well, what the heck's the difference, you know? I mean, why not cast for them, you know, if you like doing that? So, like I said, maybe somebody else was doing it back then. I don't know. But uh, there was something different to be done. But, I mean, like I said, I've seen John Gillespie do it, and they have tremendous success. You know, he goes out with some pretty darn good guides, you know. Well, then, I don't know, Tom. You know, you're not like on other people, other people, but, you know, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here. I see, hear that from other people, other species of this, oh, I, I don't troll. And in a way, it comes across as almost kind of snobbish from some people. Uh, oh, I won't troll. I don't troll. Now, I guess we all got our own ways of doing it. I don't jig. Um but I don't know. I, I wouldn't be against doing it anyway. A catch and fish is a good good time. Now, as far as trolling, there's trolling and then there's trolling. I don't necessarily enjoy going on Lake Erie. Well, I still enjoy it. So maybe I'm a snob if I say I don't. Going behind, tra- dragging in a bunch of planer boards where you're in five foot seas and you're fighting the board, the seas, and a walleye, and you can't tell the difference between a six or a ten pound walleye. Okay, that, there's that kind of trolling, but then there's a kind of trolling where I do the super deluxe stealth trolling that Steve Milliot taught me, where it's you mano on mano with one rod in your hand crawling along at half a mile an hour, and when that fish hits, you're fighting it one-on-one with a spinning rod. That's different trolling as far as I'm concerned. That's as exciting as casting. Okay. I just, I see, it for me... I just enjoy the casting aspect and the feeling the hit, setting the hook, and all that. I mean, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I just, uh, I've never been really into trolling. It doesn't mean I've never trolled. I have, okay, but I just wasn't that into it. That's all. I guess, okay. So you'd still, still do it. See, I like doing it all. Any way to catch a fish is a good way. I like the sound of a drag going rip, rip, rip. I like the click, click, click of a of a sucker rod on a muskie. I like the setting the hook on the strike and having the fish 
come leaping out of the water. To me, it's all fun. To me, it's like I like blondes, I like redheads, I like brunettes. I enjoy them all. So, you know, yeah, I might prefer one. You know what, what, well, you know what's more boring to me than trolling is sucker fishing for muskie. You know, you hang those suckers out and you start drifting around in an area. You know, you got the electric on going slowly. And I mean, that's even more boring because at least when you're trolling, you're you're doing something. You know, you're setting your boards, you're checking the lines. You know, you're doing stuff like that. Whereas sucker fishing, it's like, you know, you might as well take a nap because your clicker will wake you up if you get a fish on. You know. Well, that's because you quit drinking beer, Tom. So <laughs> no, I, no, that's what I I'm, started doing. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. I know. Although I when know. I was young and 18 years old, I will admit to being in a little rowboat with a six-pack of beer, dragging one sucker around a tiny little lake. But uh, the uh, cutting-edge outdoors, no way, no, in no way endorses the use of alcohol when you're on the water. Um, but yeah, I, I understand that my biggest muskie ever on Pewaukee, I was actually doing that. I had my feet up, my hood up. It was a light drizzle. I just kind of started to close my eyes and drifting along when I, I didn't hear the click, click. I just kind of, when I'm resting, Tom, I'm lazy. I don't want to even open both eyes. I'll open just my left eye because to open both eyes is too much effort. So I opened my left eye and I watched the bobber. The, the Mick Phil slip, uh, slip bobber go across the water 10 feet to the left and under silently. So it never did start clicking, but it, it is an exciting way once you do get a fish. And uh, I'm guessing right now, Tom, now isn't the muskie season open until December 31st here in the southern Wisconsin? Yeah, if you, if you can get a boat in the water. <laughs> yeah, or if you're crazy enough to do it. Um, yeah. And and I guess you could still get. I guess technically, if a guy caught a muskie through the ice right now, That'd be uh, legal. it would be yeah. If if it met the requirements. Yeah, yep. And I guess guess we got one requirement to do, and that's going to another break. But folks, what Tom? Now's the time to become a contestant in the Hornswoggle, brought to you by Carl's Country Market. Carl's Country Market is out there in Menominee Falls, on the corner of uh, Pilgrim Road and Silver Spring. World of world famous sausages, all kinds of meats, and so much more. You got to check out Carl's Country Market, but you can win a ten dollar gift certificate if you're a winner on the Hornswoggle. So all you got to do right now is call four one four seven nine nine twelve fifty. That's seven nine nine twelve fifty, and be a contestant in the Hornswoggle right here on twelve fifty a.m. The Fan. Walleyes, cutting edge outdoors, and uh, I'm Dan Bush along with Tommy the True Newbauer. Right now we have the long-awaited Hornswoggle segment, and uh, Sam, uh, the most valuable man on this program, uh, what have we got? We got a contestant, contestant yeah, to, here. Today we got Andy in New Berlin. Andy in New Berlin. How you doing, Andy? Yeah, good morning. Great. Merry Christmas to you guys. Yeah, Merry... Kind of like trolling. Yeah, hey, there we go. Yeah, you're right. Kind of like... Kind of like trolling, and but it's, except it's maybe trolling is a little more. King on the line, or uh, Tom's on the other line. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you been doing any fishing or hunting lately? Hunting, yes. Um, unlike yourself, unsuccessful. Oh, okay, unsuccessful. Well, sorry to hear about that. 
least you can uh, least you can get out there and enjoy enjoy the wilderness. Um, so here yeah, we go. Absolutely. Okay, being as you hunt, you, I'm sure you own a deer rifle, so uh, I'm going to be kind of on the old rifleman theme today. Uh, okay. When you uh, shoot a rifle and the bullet goes flying through the air, uh, there there is a spin on the um, spin on the uh, projectile, just like throwing a football through the air, which helps stabilize it. Hornschwaggle or no hornschwaggle? No hornschwaggle. No hornschwaggle. Okay. Okay. They refer to uh, rifles as having a rate of twist. So if you have a rifle barrel that is rated with a 1 in 10 twist, that's actually a faster twist than one rated with a 1 in 16 twist. Hornschwaggle or no hornschwaggle? Hornschwaggle. That's actually a no hornschwaggle. A 1 in 10 twist is actually faster than a 1 in 16. Okay. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I would have thought uh, I would have thought the difference. Yeah, I believe a 1 in 10 is... That means the uh, bullet goes one complete revolution, revolution around in 10 inches, whereas a 1 in 16 means it goes one revolution around in 16 inches. So, yeah, you can look that up. But anyway, you got another, another chance here. Uh, let's see. When a bullet hits an animal, when a typical hunting bullet uh, hits an animal, it actually changes its shape and mushrooms to provide greater impact upon the animal and better killing effect. Hornswoggle or no hornswoggle? No hornswoggle. No hornswoggle. All right. We got a winner. Two out of three there. And uh, hopefully next year your hunting will be more successful and you'll be able to send one of those mushrooming slugs into the <laughs> double lungs of a deer or bear, or whatever. Uh, stay on hold, and Sam, I am. will get your address. I'll get that uh, gift certificate out to you. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. Have a great day. All Thank right. You, take sir. care. And Tom, real quick, I'm going to mention, being as Carl's is our sponsor, uh, each week I'm going to mention five things of their special specialties that they can do with your wild game. Here we go. Barbecue sticks. Highly recommend those. Those are awesome. Jalapeno and cheese sticks, Land Jaeger, venison bacon, and peppered summer log. Next week, I'll tell you more, but they got great stuff at Carl's Country Market. You know, I've tried that venison bacon, and that is really good. I was really surprised. You know, it was really good. Yeah, and, and, and you can, not just venison bacon, but bear bacon is great, too. Oh, wow, I didn't know they made that, yeah. Yeah, bear bacon. I, I, I'm sure they do. I got my bear bacon done uh, up at a place up there in Douglas County. And it was great. It tasted just like bacon. The only thing with bear, there was no fat. They, I had them do a hind quarter of it, and it was just pure meat. The only thing is it could be a little bit rubbery. But it was oh, super okay. thick, and it was super delicious. So if anything, try and overcook it a little bit to try and get it crisper. And, man, you put that on uh, what you're going to have, Tom, is a bear LT sandwich. And let me tell you. It's delicious as well as nutritious, my friend. Good yeah, reason to shoot a bar, a Mark yeah, and Block bar. Great. Now, do they do any pre-cooking of that? Pre-cooking of the bacon? Yeah. Uh, I believe when they make bacon, and uh, maybe somebody who's like a, uh, a meat processing expert like our friend Jim Dembick would know, but I believe they take it. And they, uh, they take, take and kind of grind the meat up kind of like burger. And then they mix other stuff in. And then they re-put it together as bacon. It's somehow they kind of like, 
So it's not like they just slice it off the animal, from what I understand. You, are you uh, talking I, about the bear bacon? Yeah, I'm talking about the yeah. uh, bear and venison, I believe. Yeah, like, maybe venison, I'm wrong yeah. on the bear bacon. Maybe they do do just slice that. No, I don't I, know. I'm not a meat no, expert. I think, they, I think they grind it up and whatever in that. See, I was just wondering, because, you know, bear has got to be cooked well done. And so I was just wondering if they did any kind of, <laughs> you know, pre-cooking to it. You know, that's all. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's interesting because for our listeners out there, uh, wild bear as well as like wild boar and so forth can have, uh, what, trichinosis, Tom. Yep. And now it's been lar- basically eliminated from domestic pork, which as a kid we were always, oh, make sure you cook your I was afraid to not cook a hot dog good enough over a fire because I was going to get the dreaded trichinosis. But... Uh, is it trichinosis? Is that it, or is that I the? I think that's what it is. I'm not positive. Or is that? But there's some, one disease that an. I think yeah. that's trichinosis is what rabbits have. I think a disease that if they're, I don't know. But anyway, you want to make sure that you uh, that you do uh, cook them thoroughly. Uh, the other another method, Tom. I don't know if you've heard about that can kill kill the uh, disease. I think is if you freeze it at a deep temperature, like solid cold, you know, for a certain period of time. That that can uh, that that can kill it too. Speaking of diseases, Tom, um, they did find uh, some uh, more CWD. The Wisconsin Department of uh, Natural Resources confirmed that a wild deer tested positive for chronic wasting disease in the town of Polk in central Washington County, which is within 10 miles of Ozaki. Now, what that means is is that even the Ozaki County, even though they may not have found a CWD positive deer there, being as there's it was located in a county 10 miles from there, now that that one is going to be listed as a CWD zone and you can't ban and you can't bait in either of those counties. Um, so the DNR kind of has a protocol based on that. So um, so yeah, I guess uh, I guess it's spread. I haven't got the statewide results yet. I'm, you could probably look up the results. And check the uh, state results on how many deer have been tested and how many did have CWD. Uh, that was kind of interesting. The other thing along the deer theme is uh, I was reading, I think it was a field and stream online. And a uh, couple stories on there, Tom, of deer attacking hunters. Uh, one hunter, I think, was killed. They found him with puncture wounds. Uh, apparently, he had shot a... Uh, a buck with a muzzle loader and left it by his tree and went to walk up on it and the buck attacked him but then there are several other stories of people getting attacked not just by bucks but by does and some of them like stories kind of like in your backyard the does the deer that you feed and they tested a couple of deer and they were found to have uh, rabies and I had never heard of rabid deer but I don't know have you ever heard of that Tom that a deer can have rabies no I haven't no. Which which kind of tells you that realistically, I mean, I know some people like to actually almost, you know, hand hand feed deer in their backyard or or squirrels or whatever wild animals, but it goes to show you that maybe it's a one in a million thing, but gee whiz, you really shouldn't be, you know, they're still wild animals and you really shouldn't be getting that crazy about turning them into, you know, Bambi. That's right. I agree 100%. And we got to go to our top of the hour break now. And this is uh, going to be a real short break, folks. So uh, 
Reload that coffee mug. We'll be right back with Tom more Wendley. of the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoors right here on Sports Radio 1250 AM, The Fan. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Intercom Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi and every river, lake, and field in between. Let's talk everything outdoors. All aboard! <laughs> You're on the crazy train! All aboard! <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Edge Outdoor Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Everybody, I hope everybody had a great Christmas, and uh, you're listening to the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoors here on Sports Radio 1250 AM, The Fan. We come to you every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 AM, and we are live, so you can join in the show with your questions or comments by calling 414-799-1250. That's 799-1250. Or you can always email us live at Guys at yahoo.com he's dan bush i'm tom newbauer sam schmitz is on the boards and i just want to remind all, all of you that at uh, after the 715 break we, we will be playing our football picking contest or nfl football picking contest so uh, be ready for that one and uh, anyway so it's the second hour, Danny. What do we got lined up? Anything? Well, well, I got a little something lined up. Uh, first, I'll kind of tease it with the Christmas uh, season. You know, as a kid, it was always kind of a running joke. Uh, every year for Christmas, when we were like little kids, um, instead of buying Dad a tie, being his dad was a deer hunter, we'd buy him a box of bullets, box of hunting bullets. And Dad was always kind of goofy. He'd, un, un, he'd always act like he didn't know what was in the little, you know, you can obviously obviously tell a box of shells. I think it was 180 grain Remington Corlock, like our friend Rod Grimmie likes to shoot, 3006, those round nose like the Benoits, uh, penetrate and uh, drop the deer dead, I tell you. But uh, we'd buy him a box and he'd open, he'd go, bullets, bullets, I got bullets. Well, right now, it's kind of hard to get bullets. And a lot of people have been upset, up in arms. And our buddy Randy at Midwestern Shooter Supply, which I highly recommend, go on out there if you're looking for firearms, being as they're hard to come by, they still have them some out there. But uh, real quick, I want to play a quick uh, clip, a message from uh, the uh, president of Federal CCI and Spear, uh, Mr. Jason Vanderbrink. We just want to uh, maybe listen to a couple minutes of it, if you can bear with me, Tom. So, Sam, if you can cue that up, we'll just listen. Hi, I'm Jason Vanderbrink, president of Federal CCI, Spear, and Remington Ammunition. And I gotta say, I am tired of all the hate mail. I'm tired of people showing up at our factories. I'm tired of reading the misinformation out on the internet right now about us not trying to service the demand that we're experiencing. It gets really old when I hear and read constantly that our ammunition companies are not making ammunition, we're having secret warehouses. We are selling to only specific customers. And after a year like right now, where we're, we have hired hundreds of employees to support American manufacturing jobs, 
all I hear is, we're not making ammunition. So we want to keep the team motivated so we continue to make ammunition to try to service this market. But if we just look back on basic economics, 7 million new shooters since March times two boxes, which is a conservative estimate, is 700 million new rounds of ammunition our three factories have to help produce. That is impossible to do in nine months. It takes months to train people. You actually got to train people to make ammunition. That takes time. You got to get the raw materials. And, and on top of that all, we're dealing with a pandemic. And at all of our ammunition factories, the health and safety of our personnel and employees are number one. So tie all of that in together. And you'll see today that we are indeed making ammunition. We indeed are shipping ammunition. We're not storing it in secret warehouses. But I wanted to address those rumors because every day I hear something new and it's simply not true. We're making all of the ammunition as fast as we can. We really, really feel humbled that the demand is high for our products. And I ask, please squash the rumors. You don't have to believe everything that's out on the internet. We are doing our damnedest to meet this demand. We appreciate all of our support for American manufacturing jobs, and it really humbles our thousands of team members that you've chosen our brands to help you with your hobbies, self-defense, hunting. We feel humble, but again, please understand, we are doing everything we can to meet this demand. So let's go look at our factory, and hopefully we're making ammunition today. I hear lots of questions every day. Where's the 22 long rifle ammunition? This is proof we're making it every day. We're making more than we ever have. We just simply can't keep up with the sharp increase in demand. But as you can see, Federal 22 shells are getting ready to come to the market. It's the same with Remington. It's the same with CCI. We're making everything as fast as we can. So okay, we back there, Sam? Yeah, we're back on. I hear you, Danny. Okay, sounds good. I thought I'd just play that little clip. It goes on a little bit more, and it's kind of fascinating. I'd encourage our listeners to uh, Google it, and you can actually see the manufacture of, of all the rounds. They go on to talk about how much 22 ammo they're making. It's just incredible. So uh, just gives every, our listeners a little kind of view on what's really going on because, uh, like the guy said, too many rumors out there. Yeah, I you know, I hear a lot of rumors about it, and... I'm not one to repeat any of the rumors. I just, you know, take them with a grain of salt, you know, what guys are saying. But I can tell you one thing. At the Sherper store in Hales Corners, they got a new supply of 223 ammo. I don't know how long it'll be there because, it, you know, once people find out, it'll go pretty quick. So Sherpers in Hales Corners does have 223 ammo. Yeah, Tom, and it seems like uh, the two most common, I guess you might call, uh, self-defense type rounds, um, rounds that people, you know, like to have a lot of because they have a lot of semi-auto firearms for them are the 9mm yep. and the 223. And it kind of brings up another, another kind of a debate that's going on within the uh, uh, firearms and shooting community 
is the question of to hoard or not to hoard, kind of like the old toilet paper thing from this spring. Now, some people, like myself, I tend to like to have a pretty good supply of, of ammunition on hand. Uh, I pretty much use all my firearms, 90% of them, for hunting purposes. So I always like to have enough 306, 32 Special, uh, goose loads, uh, steel shot, uh, uh, golden pheasant loads for pheasant. I mean, I have, and so I typically go into a season where I know I can, yeah, it, believe me, there's no way I'm going to shoot at enough game where I'm going to run out of whatever I need, and then some for practice, and then some maybe for uh, self-defense. Um, which you, you don't even shoot those. Those you just keep, keep loaded in a firearm for self-defense. But then there's other people that are literally buying pallets full of this stuff that they're getting ready for the zombie apocalypse and they're maybe going overboard on it. And, and uh, is, that, is that really good for all the other hunters out there? Maybe like toilet paper, I don't know. Do you guys put a limit on how much two, two, three, one person can buy? No, no limit. You can buy whatever you want. And like you said, the 9mm, that, that's really hard to come by. And when we did have some this summer, it went, it went so fast. It was there one day, gone a couple days later. And that was like over 200 boxes of it. So once people find out it's there, they buy it. But I run into people at Sherpers who will tell me, like, oh, I've got 10,000 rounds. And I'm thinking, 10,000 rounds? I mean, w- you 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 probably won't shoot that shoot that in your lifetime. I mean, that's, it's just unbelievable. And you're right, there is a, somewhat of a, a hoarding mentality. And I don't know why people want so many rounds. I mean, you know, sure the the ammo will last; it'll be good years down the road. But but still, it's it's like you know, just overspending that that you don't have to do. And I I myself, you know, I've got plenty of ammo. For all my weapons, I mean, I'm I'm set. I don't need to buy any more. But you know what, though? Seriously, I mean, I do shoot my 38 and 357. So you know, at the target range. So you know, I might buy more of that. Even though I've got plenty, I might buy a few more boxes if it if it comes around. Well, I guess I have quit from being the cheap bachelor, <laughs> buying. <laughs> One roll of toilet paper at a time where I'm buying four now. So, uh, well, there were other reasons for that, too, we won't get into. So, yeah, maybe a guy should start, you know, maybe stocking up to make sure you have. But I don't know. I, it, it almost seems to me like I think, in fairness to the customers, maybe they ought to start, retailers ought to start kind of going, hey, you know, one box of 100 round 22 CCIs per customer or something like that, just to kind of make it. Fair. And, and here's the other question, Tom. Do you think people are hoarding it, buying a pallet full of it, and then going off to one of the gun shows and reselling it for a profit? Is that going uh, on? Yeah, that might be going on. That very well might be. I know when we sold out of the 9 millimeter this summer, um, it would mainly went to a couple of shooting ranges that were reselling it to people at the range. So, well, yeah. here's... Here's the, the thing. Now, I've gone out to the Waukesha Gun Club, uh, been to McMiller, and times I was there, they did have, uh, they did have uh, ammo for shooting, you know, like clay and trap. They had the t- seven and a half and eight, uh, you know, typical loads. 
but they basically sell you a box or two, I believe, is the limit if you are going to shoot. So you can't go walking in the door and be some sodbuster and grab five boxes and not shoot there and then just walk out the door. I right, believe they've right. got their their regulations on that. So they're still providing for their customers. So that's the best of my understanding. I was talking with Al Shook about that this week. Yeah, that sounds about right, Danny. And, um, well, you know what, you know, since, uh, you know, we might as well take this break right now. And uh, coming up next is the NFL football picking contest. When we come back, uh, Sam will tell us who's playing, when they're playing, and the point spread. Now, what you got to do is, against the spread, you got to pick the winner. And if you beat or tie Danny and Sam and myself, you'll be the winner of a $10 gift certificate to Curly's Waterfront Pub on Pewaukee Lake. So call right now at 414-799-1250. That's 799-1250. Be a contestant for the NFL Football Picking Contest, and we'll be right back with more. Welcome back to the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush, along with Tom Neubauer, and uh, Tommy uh, is our maestro of the football picking contest, so take it away, conductor. Yeah, well, Dan, uh, Sam, uh, when are the Packers playing, and who are they playing? They're playing the Tennessee Titans on Sunday night football. As of now, I'm kind of surprised the Packers are favored by only three points. Yeah, that is surprising. All right, favored by three. Do we have a contestant? Yeah, we have Randy and Grafton. All right. Good morning, Randy. Yeah, good morning. I actually called on something else, so if I can hang on after the contest, fellas. Sure. Something, sure. Yeah, something. Hey, so who, do you, who are you picking you guys this, were Randy? talking about earlier? Hello? But I got my lucky coin out here, so let's get on with this. <laughs> All right, Randy, who you got? Uh, yeah, okay, let me. Uh, I got uh, tail Tennessee. Okay, you're taking Tennessee. How about you, Danny? Well, I don't have to flip a coin to know this one. Uh, Derrick Henry's gonna—he's gonna run all over. Uh, he, he's, it's gonna be Interstate 94 running for him, man. Uh, yeah, Packers are gonna lose. Tennessee wins. And Sam? Uh, I think I think I agree with Danny. I think Derrick Henry runs all over us, but I still think the Packers pull it out. Yeah, I still think the Packers win. Yeah, Derrick Henry's going to gain his yards, but I think the Packers will still win. I'm a I'm a homeboy. So, uh, Randy, you've won already a $10 gift certificate to car, uh, to uh, Curly's Waterfront Pub on Pewaukee Lake. So you wanted to uh, uh, mention something else? Yeah, and it's, it's you guys hit something that uh, I found throughout my years in fishing and uh uh, with with a lot of people who have gotten in and out of the sport, I have a question for you, Tom. Um, do you think uh, it sounds as if uh, if trolling was the only way to catch fish, do you think you'd be a fisherman? Sure. Oh, okay. So um, the reason I ask that is I'm wondering, I was also wondering, I know people who have gotten into the sport and they've gotten into the sport through tournaments. 
And once they no longer fished in tournaments, they no longer fished. And what I realized was, and this isn't just one individual, it's more than a couple, and I'm kind of curious if you guys know anyone like this, it seemed as if fishing was a way to scratch a competitive itch. Uh, have you guys ever run into people who there's an aspect of fishing that provides something that they're looking for, but not directly just the pull at the end of the line? Uh, and specifically, do you guys know guys who maybe were guides? I know people who guided, and once they gave up the profession of guiding, gave up the activity of fishing. You guys ever run into anyone like that where it, it wasn't just uh, the draw of fishing per se, but an aspect of what fishing no. provided that drew them into the sport? Oh, oh Randy, I, I, I personally never have. All the guys I knew that uh, were tournament anglers and guides, uh, even when they stopped doing the tournaments, they still enjoyed to go out fishing, like myself. I stopped tournament fishing years ago. I stopped guiding years ago but I still enjoy fishing. So I, I've never met anybody who stopped fishing just because they stopped in tournaments or guiding, no. Well, now I you think... mentioned you, you don't do much ice fishing. Is it because you can't no. cast, do you think, Tom? No, I, th I find it boring sitting over a little hole, uh, you know, and jigging a line, I, or sitting okay. there watching and waiting for a flag to go up. I like being able to move around on the open water and casting, you know. That's all. Oh, it's the... It's the ability to move around, but yeah. also to be able to do something while you're in the process of trying to create a strike. Exactly. Uh, hey, I'm going to weigh in, you guys. Um, I I I, I kind of know what uh, Randy's kind of alluding to. Uh, you know, there are some people that I think the reason they get into the tournament fishing so much is it is a huge competition everybody you know wants to win whether whatever kind of they get into so but i think most people like tom said uh do continue to fish in some way or another now it's, you mentioned guiding okay i guide for muskies on pewaukee lake and i'm very active out there taking people out a couple times a week but i have kind of cooled it in recent years where if i'm not out guiding i'm not normally out there by myself uh i enjoy it so much when i take people out there i find that i'm fresher and enjoy it more if i'm not out there beating beating myself up all the time and so i'm fresh and ready to go where some guides they'll drop off the clients and whether they caught a fish or not they're keeping they're staying on the boat and they're going back out there to musky fish so maybe i'm not quite as much of an addict but um i i try and fish for other species of fish by myself as opposed to the muskies so when i take off i'm going to just go fish bass by myself or walleyes with friends you know and and not for not for pay but uh the competition factor yeah i guess for some people that's it and i was thinking too guys you know i was saying well some people maybe they're snobby against trolling well maybe it's not they're snobby against trolling it's kind of like me and fly fishing i'm sure fly fishing would be great and that i'd love it I just don't want to spend the time to buy all the gear and learn how to do it. And I think a lot of fishermen, that's their, the real reason they don't get into trolling. Yeah, this, there, there was no judgment uh, involved with this question, but it's curious because I, in fact, in fact, I got a very good friend who was in tournaments and guided, and now that he got involved in his business, I can't get this guy out 
fishing at all. And this guy lives up in uh, Door County, and it's somewhat frustrating. In fact, the guy I'm talking about is a good friend of Dale, and both Dale and I are constantly after him to get out on the water. But I just accept the fact that, you know, what scratched his itch sort of way to, uh, in, for, uh, in a manner of speaking was the competitiveness of the tournament fishing, and then um, maybe there was a bit of ego involved with the guiding, but now that he, uh, those things aren't part of the fishing experience for him, very difficult to get him out there. But anyways, uh, listen, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to hey, you guys. Hey, Randy, Happy hold on and leave your address and information there, buddy, and uh, oh, leave you. that with Sam, and I'll get that mailed out to you. Okay. All right, thanks, Randy. Okay, God bless. I know. Well, you know, Dan, what he was saying, you know, it's funny, like, when I was fishing tournaments, I enjoyed making the money. I did not enjoy so much the traveling, you know, and being away from my family. But once the the tournament fishing stopped being fun, then I just stopped doing it. I mean, uh, I mean, at first it was a lot of fun. But after a while, it, it almost began to be like a job almost. And and uh, I just I just stopped doing it. You know, it wasn't fun anymore, so the heck with it. Yep, yep. Hey, I'm with you on that. Hey, one quick announcement, Tom. Uh, there is, for, we talk, I talk a lot about guns and ammo anyway. Uh, there is a safety warning recall on Henry single shot rifles and shotguns. As you know, uh, up in Rice Lake, uh, I believe they make Henry's and Great American con- uh, Company here, but Henry Repeating Arms Company has recently discovered a potential safety issue wherein under certain conditions it is possible that some of these models may discharge without the trigger being pulled if the hammer is at the half cock or or is partially cocked and released. All H015 model owners should uh, visit their website or email them or call a number to get additional information. I'm sure they'd tell you which specific model numbers those are. So if you got one out there, something to be aware of. Again, before we go to a break, I want to ask our listeners, if any of you have been on the ice, you don't have to tell us where you've been, okay, if you want to keep that a secret, but if any of our listeners, if you've been out and you know the ice thickness on certain lakes in the area, you know, give us a call here at 799-1250, or if you want to be a little anonymous, you can always email us at guys at yahoo.com. I'm sure your fellow anglers would like to know what the ice thickness is on some of the area lakes. So with that, we'll go to a quick break, folks. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with more with Dan Bush and myself, Tom Neubauer. Uh, Stay tuned. We'll be back. Seven women on my mind. Kind of reminds me of myself there, Tom. Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush, single, straight, white, wealthy, retired landowner from Douglas County. Retired recently added to that. And he's Tommy the True Neubauer, Bassmaster Extraordinaire, retired tournament angler. Yeah, I guess so. Yep. <laughs> I guess. You were there. You were on top of the mountain, my friend. Yeah, what, what's that? On top of you what? You were what? there. You were on top of the mountain. You know, I tease you, Tom. I tease you, but you're, you know, like one of the best fishermen I've ever known. And the fact that you did as well as you did in the Bass Tournament Series years ago, what, Bass, you were the champion of Wisconsin, weren't you? Yeah, I did good in uh, Muskie Tournaments, too. 
I did uh, I did only okay in walleye tournaments. I didn't do real good there, um, but uh, you know, fished a lot of different ones, and uh, it was it was very interesting. Very very, you know, like I said though, you know, you, you do it you, if you're having fun, it's great. But if you're not having fun, why do it? You know, I mean, it it seems like work out there then, you know, and and I don't want to do anything that seems like work if I don't have to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> spoken uh, spoken like a true trooper, uh, and I mentioned, and you're a hell of a bowler too. So, <laughs> no, you know, hey, I'll tell you what, though, a friend of mine is a friend of mine is an awesome bowler, Danny. Let me he, guess, uh, Sal. Just, just last week he bowled a 301. How can you get a 301? I thought 300 was the top. You ever hear of anybody bowling a 300 and losing? Oh, That's... oh, 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 <laughs> boy. That's funny. Got you okay. right in sinker on that one. <laughs> jokes. Jokes. Tom has jokes. Okay, now that we got jokes, Tom, I'm going to tell my Chicago Bears uh, uh, football joke. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. So the Chicago Bears go into a bar and watch the Super Bowl. The Chicago That's Bears. it. That's a joke, dude. Yeah, I know. They watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's as good as your last dumb one, bub. What do you mean? 301? That was great. You know, you know no, when wasn't. I first heard that? You, you know just that, laugh at your own. You know where that joke was first used? Oh, oh, oh. what? I don't know. Some late, was done late night by, show? Uh, the Meathead on, uh, what was the show with Archie Bunker in that? Uh, what yeah, was All that? in the Family. Yeah. Uh, the Meathead told that joke to Archie. And yeah. that's, back in the, that's back in the early 70s. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you're, you're dating yourself now. Yeah, that's so. a while back there. It's a while back. I catch who, people on that every now and then, you know, who, every who now could and forget, then. Who forget, could forget the meathead? And I, for a long time, I wonder if they're even doing reruns of All in the Family. You know, they, they used to have, what? They are. They are. You know, because you almost wonder whether a show with today's politically correct world where everybody's needs to see all in a family by archie acting acting bigoted it was making a point that he was an idiot basically right you know what i mean so yep. there were reasons for it and i think in today's hypersensitive world we can't even make a point talking to each other about something without somebody being accused uh of something um so let's talk a little bit fishing you know i i got a um thing in the uh email to me for Wisconsin fishing guides, and it's uh, a pre-ice fishing for uh, the Bay of Green Bay uh, information that, you know, for guides like our good friend Dale and different people up there, they have to uh, actually fill out reports uh, tracking uh, their catches, and uh, it's basically they got to list the date and then how many fish they caught of, uh, there's three species they seem to be tracking, Tom, Whitefish, walleyes, and perch, and then the then the only other category is other, and they yeah. ask how many caught, how many released, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, you got some guides up there, and they got I don't know what 50, 100 people on the ice out there, and 10 different shanties. Man, they got to have some type of a really good record keeping system to keep track of all that. Yeah, and you know, the other fish, I, I don't know if they've got a lot in uh, the Bay of Green Bay, but in Winnebago, we talked about it, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, about lawyers, also known as burbot or eel pout or lingcod, 
And I don't have you ever eaten one of those, Danny? Uh, this week, my good friend Jeff came over and he was listening to our show. And I, we were talking about spearing lawyers on the Nimaj last week. Yeah. And he had just whipped up a batch of uh, a spicy kind of a soup. And uh, it had a uh, lawyer in it. And I'll tell you what, it's the first lawyer I've had, but I'll tell you what, that fish was delicious as well as nutritious and heart healthy. Uh, we got a caller, though, right now, Tom. All right, who do we got there, Sam? We got Joe in Milwaukee. Hey, Joe, what's going on? Hey, hi. No, this is Joe in Washington. Oh, in Washington, okay. Now, are you talking Washington County or the state of Washington? Or Was- the state of Washington? D.C., and I thank you for all your mail-in votes. <laughs> anyway, I have a question on fishing. Okay. The uh, I thought it is back in September. Uh, when you catch a muskie or a bass or whatever, and you chuck it out and then you release it, does that fish go back down there to the other fish and tell the other fish? No. That, that I was abducted by aliens. Oh, years ago, I'll tell you what, Joe, years ago, somebody I know, I'm not going to mention the names, uh, he, he, was, he was going around telling everybody that if you release fish, they go back in, in, in the water and let the other fish know that, uh, that they got some kind of alert system telling them not to bite anything. That is just a bunch of hogwash. Don't believe it. It's not true. Okay. All right. Thanks for the call, Joe. Um, you were talking about uh, talking about releasing fish, Tom. Um, Joe brings up a subject I wanted to mention, and we've talked about it a little bit before. Uh, fizzing. I've got a little piece. I just want to read this real quick. It says to fizz or not to fizz. That's another uh, baloney thing. Okay. Well, let me read <laughs> it here, and uh, and then we can have uh, Tom the Grinch kind of weigh in on this. Fishing deep raises the issue of releasing fish that have difficulty returning to the depth to the oh, depths that due to kind an ex- of fizzing. Okay. All right. Due to an expanded swim. Well, what kind of fizzing did you think? Well, there's Elka a Elka You think I was talking about plop plop fizz fizz? Yes, because there's a technique of putting uh, pieces of Elka Seltzer inside of plastic worms or jigs or whatever to make them fizz when they're in the bottom of the lake and they're there's little bubbles coming up, and it's supposedly to attract fish. Now, I thought that's what you were talking about because I've tried it, and it doesn't work. Well, you know, there's there's another kind of fizzing I've heard, too, which is horrific and horrible and no way endorsed by the cutting-edge outdoors is that if you feed a seagull an Elka-Seltzer, right. they'll fly off, and they'll their stomach, they'll explode, they'll blow up. Right. But uh, the type of fizzing I think you're going to bring up is the one where you're bringing up fish, especially some kind of trouts from very deep water, and uh, to release that their bladder or something. Here we go. Yes, indeed. So uh, the issue of releasing fish that have difficulty returning to the depths due to an expanded swim bladder. Some anglers and organizations recommend fizzing or venting the swim bladder with a hypodermic needle before releasing, but many conservation-minded fishermen are concerned fishing is difficult to perform, you might puncture internal organs. Some experts contend that even when successfully fizzed, bass are still likely to die at the bottom. So this article was referring to bass. It's in the Outdoor Life November 97 issue, (laughs) found Dad's old magazines. 
some experts uh, contend they're li still likely to die, just they're going to die in the bottom and not be floating around. Uh, there's a growing trend, it said, toward deep water release as an alternative. Now, here's the part I found interesting, Tom. Biologists, it said, use release cages to take the fish down. Anglers can get by with a four-ounce weight and a large barbless hook rigged on a drop line, slip the weighted hook through the skin of the bass's lower jaw when releasing it. The weight helps the fish get down far enough for water pressure to recompress the swim bladder. Once the fish is back in the depths, jiggle the line until the bass throws the barbless hook. That fish has as good a chance for survival as you're able to provide. So it kind of brings up something where, you know, musky fishing out here, Tom, in the uh, heat of the summer, we get a lot of people that start getting all, you know, oh, you shouldn't be fit, it's over 80 degrees, we're killing muskies, and they're, okay, going a little crazy. One thing I've noticed is that when you do pull up fish, now I'm pulling fish out of 17 feet deep, and it does seem that sometimes uh, when you go to release the fish, they swim on down, and then a little bit, and then you watch them, and they actually come floating back up almost tail first, like they do have a balloon in them. And I've often felt that there is something to do with the bladder as far as equalizing. And I found that I'll try and angle their nose down, and like the article mentions, getting them down in deep water where the water pressure can, you know, kind of put the pressure on that bladder. I found when they, I angle the nose down, and when they go to kick, I try and give a mighty shove to get it down as deep under the water column as possible, and they're less likely to come on up. So what if a guy were to come up with some type of a release bag, Tom, where you could have, like they mentioned, the DNR or wherever they had some kind of a system where they'd lower them down. What if you could have some kind of a release? They mentioned release cages. What if you could invent some kind of a release bag for anglers where you could thereby lower it down to 20 feet, 15 feet down, pull a little string and pop the fish out. What do you think? I don't know. I think it would be too expensive, and I don't think a lot of guys would do it. You don't think so? No. Hey, okay. We, we do have an email from John, and uh, I'm not going to repeat it. John told another bowling joke that it probably was not uh, for air. Okay, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read it, John. But thanks for sending us the email anyway. <laughs> uh, there anyway, I deleted it, Danny. You deleted it. I deleted okay. it. Yeah. I mean, well, some things some things we just can't put on the radio, you know, or we shouldn't. We just shouldn't. Yep. So yep. it's time for our uh, last break of the morning, Danny. We got one more segment to go. Folks, stick with us. We got a few more things we got to tidy up before we get out of here. So uh, stay tuned for more of the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoors. It's the final countdown. The final Welcome back. To the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Thanks for taking a ride on the crazy train with us this morning. And uh, I'm here along with Tom Neubauer. And being as Tom's been telling funny jokes here, I, one more joke, Tom. Uh, you know how like churches have those little signs outside their church with service at such and such time, Sunday service, Merry Christmas? Yeah. Okay. Here's, I got a picture of a sign in front of a church in front of me, and it says this. Adultery is a sin. 
you can't have your Kate and Edith too. <laughs> I don't get it. You can't have your Kate and Edith. Well, you're such a. You I can't, can't have your cake. Kate, K A T E, Kate. Oh, Kate. And Edith. Okay. As in Edith Bunker. Okay, got it. Got oh, it. Boy, you're just terrible. You're a terrible. You're ter- you, you, You're a terrible yeah, guy to yeah, hang around with because yeah, you tell yeah. jokes and laugh yourself, and then you sit there just like you don't get any other jokes. Thank you, Sam. Did you hear what huh. Sam played? What Sam say? You what he played? What'd Play he... it again, Sam. Yeah. Keep that queued up for all of Tom's dumb jokes, cause they always fizzle out. Not mine. Fizzle. Fizzle. Get it? So you're talking Kenny, about fizz? Yeah. What? No, you're fizzling out, Tom. Oh, like fizzling from before, huh? Yeah, right, right. You got that too. Boy, I've not never, much I've never caught... not much escapes you. I mean, uh, how many years did you work for the FBI? Oh, I don't know. Too many. <laughs> uh, you know, you talk about catching fish in deep water. I never caught a lot of, I mean, the deepest I ever caught a fish in was about, oh, I'm guessing it must have been about 25 or 28 feet. And that was a smallmouth. But the thing is, is that I never caught a lot of fish in really deep water. I mean, to me, deep water was that 18, 20-foot deep weed line edge, you know, stuff. So, and, and, and with muskies, you know, we're talking that 17 to 20 feet area. So I, I never caught fish in really deep water. Like, I know on Big Green Lake, they, uh, they catch those uh, ciscos in deep water, and, and they catch the trout in deep water. And those, that's where I read about the fizzing that one time first was out there on Big Green Lake. And, you know, that gets down to, what is it, like 260, 70, 80 feet deep, something like that. Uh, geez, I think it's even deeper than that, Tom. No, I don't. Yeah, it's not over 300. It's like I'll tell you what. I'll I'll Google it while we talk. Okay. Okay. So you're saying that uh, you didn't do a whole lot of deep fishing. Um, yeah, I I guess, I, I guess trollers oftentimes uh, will do some you know troll down and get deep fish down in the thermocline, uh, Lake Michigan in particular. Um, you get out there. Our friend Ron Johnson. He you know when he was down in Arizona. He would target in some of those Arizona lakes. He would target some fish in, you know, exceptionally deep water. Uh, I think one thing with anglers too. I think a lot of people are intimidated to cast. I mean, people will, will be willing to troll in deep water, but I think a lot of anglers are kind of intimidated as far as trying to cast in deep water. But it can be productive. I think about years ago, my cousin was on the boundary waters north of, you know, way up northern Minnesota, and he was in one of those lake trout lakes. And when he uh, was on it, he uh, decided to try and figure out where those trout were in that crystal clear water. You can see down whatever, 20 feet. So he took a spoon, he casted it out, and he just let it count. He'd count it down, and then he'd start winding. Then he'd, he kept doing this to going deeper and deeper and deeper. And finally, when he caught a lake trout, he kept that same count going, and he, he was guessing he was pulling these trout out of 40, 50 feet, targeting them, just casting from a canoe. Yeah. Uh, so, so there are op- opportunities. We just got to be willing 
to, to do it. The other thing, too, when you think about deep water, Tom, when you think 20 feet, you that sounds like that's really deep, right? Well, I'm looking across my, my uh, living room and kitchen right now, and I can see 20 feet right now, and that's not that far. We seem to think under the surface of the water. I think our mind is set in yards rather than feet. It's yeah. not that far. Well, I found some information, Danny. Uh, Big Green Lake is 236 feet deep, and a Red Granite Quarry in Washera County is 163 feet. Lake Geneva is 135 feet, and... Uh, uh, that the other ones don't matter. But the deepest lake in Wisconsin is Lake Wazee in Jackson County at 350 feet. So that's it. What county was that? Jackson. Okay. Hey, wasn't there a, wasn't there a real deep quarry a couple it. of years ago? Okay. Was yeah. that the one that they got that monster walleye out of? I think didn't yep. the DNR net it. Yep. Mm-hmm. That is it. That's it. Okay. Yeah, it was a quarry at one time, and now it's considered a lake. Uh, so, but uh, but Green Lake, you know, Big Green Lake, uh, is only 236, or it could be in other areas. They say 237, but still, that's that's really deep. That that's a deep lake. Yeah, yeah, that that is. Do you remember how how heavy that walleye was? You remember? I think that walleye was around 18 pounds, they said, I think. Yeah, I, I want to say. Maybe it was 15. Nah, I think it was at least 16, maybe 17. Maybe it that, wasn't. Yeah, it was really big, yeah. It was really big. Yeah, yeah, close to the state state record. Man, can you imagine catching a walleye like that? I mean, open water. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's something else. I mean, they catch some pretty darn big walleyes up there on the Bay of Green Bay. But, uh and, yeah, and you know, someday uh, that record might be broken up there. You know, someday it might be. So, for me, I've caught a number of walleyes, you know, I've caught over 30 inches. I've got legit on-the-board 30-inch walleyes, not stretching a tape over them and exaggerating. Uh, I've caught number over 10, uh, a couple just under 12. I think to really get fired up, I'd probably get really fired up if I caught like a 13-pounder. If I got a 14-pounder, I'd be ecstatic. You've got a lot of big bass, Tom. How big would a bass be have to be for you to get really fired up? Well, I like them all, but my my largest inch-wise was 20. I caught several 24-inchers, but my largest weight-wise was a 23-and-a-half-incher out of Pewaukee Lake that was as a matter of fact, it was on the cover of a magazine, uh, and I was, and I did not have my arms stretched out. I, you can see my elbow was bent, and the fish is kind of close to my body, and that was a monster. That was a pig. As a matter of fact, caught it right at Little Island out in front of your place. Really? Yeah, but uh, the 24 inch, I caught a 24 incher out of uh, uh, Big Cedar Lake. That was, you know, of average size weight, I think, and then. But then I caught one on Beulah, 24-incher on Beulah, when I was guiding, and uh, it, it, that fish, there was something wrong with it. It probably didn't weigh maybe only four pounds. It had a big head and a skinny body, you know, like it was dying. So huh. uh, I guess they can come That's in okay. all shapes and sizes. We're out of time, Thomas. Yep. So next week we'll talk lions and bass and more. Oh, my, but that's all <laughs> I got. 
All right, Danny. To all the listeners, thanks for listening. And God bless and stay free, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors radio show. We'll talk to you all next week, my friends. God bless. Merry Christmas. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.